Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Forbrook. What's happening, everybody? Hopefully your 2018 is going off as it should, because from many of you, what I heard, 2017 was not the move for you and that you have just prepared yourself for the flourish of 2018. But how did you do that is the question. And the interesting thing that we'll talk about today is sitting in discomfort. Because many of us talked about 2017 and how hard it was for us. All of the trials, all the tribulations, the things that we were actually going through during this period of time. And we wanted those things to just die down, that pain, that hurt, those feelings of anxiety, the depression, all of those things. I'm ready for those things to subside in my life. I'm ready for it to be my time. But as we sit in 2018, and hopefully, as I said, you are flourishing and life is presenting all of the favor. Shout out to Dr. Osaze Murray, my man, for talking about how favor is in the details. That if you are experiencing favor in your life, what did you have to go through to get there? What discomfort did you have to experience and sit through to get to this place of favor in your life? And as we talk about it, I bring in my friend, <laughs> my adversary at times, my ally, my ally, my good friend and confidant, the, the Bayou Lewis Lane, Rachel Graham. What's up, Rachel? How you doing? What up, family? Uh, she's making sure that nobody on Facebook sees her today. You're looking fly. Last week, I was the militant. Now you are the one. <laughs> I sure you know, interestingly enough, um, and let's let's just talk about this for a second. Let me go into my little diatribe, as you call it. You know, how do we orchestrate discomfort in our lives? And it's interesting when people ask me that question, how do we orchestrate discomfort in our lives? I talk about taking cold showers. Yeah, don't look at me crazy. That's right, taking cold showers. And I actually hadn't done it, uh, but I knew I was doing the show today, so I took a cold shower today. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody knows, if you take cold showers every day, there's all of this science behind taking cold showers. Um, relieves arthritis, actually is relieves depression, relieves tension in the body. Uh, for men, it increases levels of testosterone. So that myth that if you take a cold shower, it's going to calm you down, no, that's not it. Um, it actually increases level tes of testosterone in people. So there are all these medical benefits that go along with taking a cold shower. Uh, players, after they go through a hard game, particularly football players, go through a hard game, they will jump into an ice bath, right? So what does taking this cold shower do? Well, most people, they don't want to <laughs> take that cold shower. We're so used to the warm snugginess, if that is a word, the snuggles, the warm snuggles, <laughs> as Jazz calls it, <laughs> no. of taking taking a warm shower. He looks like Snuggy Huggy Bear today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start this off early. But we, we get into that warmthness, that feeling of that those the warm pellets of water running down our body, right? And so we jump in. We want the shower as hot. I don't even turn the cold water on. It's, just, it's always hot. Exactly. That sounds like discomfort. Well, you know, my, my shower doesn't get that hot. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, but what happens when you take that cold shower? That physiological response that the body goes through is like, oh, what? 
what what are you why are you doing this to me yeah, you euphemized because that would not be my response yeah, yeah sugar honey <laughs> honey and you know the rest yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it, it, exactly but what happens is that there's a physiological response that the body goes through and it feels like you're going through a threat so your heart begins to pound um your body begins to shiver you like what is going on the body actually assumes that there is threat that is going on mm-hmm. so what happens what do we have to do if we're going to grow as people do we then turn on the warm water to say, mm, what do we do? I turn on the warm water, but evidently you don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't turn on. Jazz turns on the warm water. Uh, <laughs> but what you do is you have to tell your mind that there actually is not a threat. Because the mind and body are perceiving threat. They're, the flight of response in your sympathetic nervous system is saying that there is a threat. And then, okay, I need to either run from this or I need to fight. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to then override the mind and say, you know what, there's not a threat. And so I have to continually say that as this cold water is running. And what happens is that the body will actually say, OK, you know what, there's cold water on, on one part of my back, so it's OK. So you really have to then trick your mind and move around so it's continuously cold. Right. And in saying that, you have to say there is no threat. There is no threat. And if you do that, what happens is the body begins to relax. And so even though it is very uncomfortable sitting in that ice-cold water, right, mm-hmm. after that cold snap that we've been through, and I was in minus 7 last week in D.C. Oh, baby. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Your body begins to be comfortable with discomfort. But you have to be able to work through that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that's where we begin today is that, you know what, life does not happen. Growth does not happen. Revolution does not happen if we cannot sit in discomfort why are you looking at me like that Rachel? i wasn't looking at you like that i'm, I'm looking at technical items that we're oh i got address. you i got you so those those people who are watching on facebook and everyone who's listening in with us today let's see what you've got for us to tell us your story about how you sit in discomfort 504-260-9265 504-260-9265 so rachel mm. Mm. yeah so rachel mm. <laughs> you know so, how i feel about telling my stuff but yes what do you saying? so i'm gonna ask you rachel i mean what, what is uncomfortable for you? <laughs> Brokeness. No, I'm just playing. Brokeness. Uh, that that um, is uncomfortable for us, uh, many people. So, uh, you know, my story, I don't think I've ever told on here, but um, what is this? This is 2018. So four years ago, I launched a firm, um, Small Hinges Strategies, Communications, and Events. And I launched that firm while I had another job. Um, and... You know, it was like my third chance or task or, or you know, try at entrepreneurship. And, and all the time I uh, had another job. Like I would like, it was kind of like a side hustle. Um, and the discomfort for me was stepping out there and just saying, committing to the, to the firm full time. Um, and she does a wonderful job. Uh, go to wyrevolution.com. She did the website. Yeah, and so that was probably the most uncomfortable thing for me. I, I, um, and I'm trying. I was trying to remember in my mental Rolodex, but yeah, at that point, I still had a, a child um, in my house. I still have two children. I was going to say that everybody <laughs> know. Had a child in my Shout house. Shout out to my sorrow. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so I had a child in my house. Um, I had uh, responsibilities, I had rent, I had things of that nature. And I had often said I would never do that until I had actually um, didn't have people I was responsible for 
sitting under me. Um, but I, you know, I launched out there and I did it. Now it's been bumpy along the way. Um, it has not necessarily been the easiest or the best thing, but there are some things that I've been able to accomplish because of that. It was, it, and and it is not. I won't even say that it has gotten to a comfortable point. I haven't stepped around in the shower and and, and found, you know, tricked my body into thinking that the cold water ain't cold. Because um, <laughs> the cold water is cold. Because the cold water, cold water is, is cold. For reason sometimes. And so uh, to have done that um, is has been – I'm like, who, who are we listening to? Um, us. <laughs> yeah, us. Um, us sideways, actually. But, yeah, yeah so that has been discomfortable. That, that has been uncomfortable. Um, I, uh, but, but folks have told me throughout my life that that's just been something I've done. Like, ever, like before I had kids, I, I would do some real brave random, stuff. Random. Not random <laughs> at all, but very brave. Um, you said I couldn't do it. And and I did it anyway. That's something I put on my Facebook, on my Instagram, and my Facebook page. Uh, I think it was yesterday. It was like a picture of a a beautiful yellow flower coming out of an extremely parched, cracked piece of ground. And there's this saying that says, um, "What was it? I, I I did it because I wanted to. I wanted to because you said I couldn't. Um, and I like something like you know I did it because." You know, I did it in spite of you. Right. Uh, and so that this has been kind of how I functioned. Well, and how are diamonds forged? Under pressure. <sighs> and, and so yeah. we, and, and that's the thing. And, and pressure is uncomfortable. Very. Yeah, you know, and yeah. think about, so what are some of the pressures that you've had felt? I mean, opening a mm. business, and we know everybody loves that term entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. It's sexy these days. It is not it, sexy it, in, the le- it, in the least. Well, it's not. Um. But, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. All right. right? I got right. all of these various businesses. But right. it's tough. It is right. extremely tough, and I'm in, a, in an interesting um, phase now where I had to make the uncomfortable decision of, uh, do I get a day job, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and because I do this, and I do the radio show at four, and I do the business, um, but one of the one of the biggest challenges, of course, is always cash flow. Um, you know, being a, I was an entrepreneur by necessity, actually, um, against the advice of a lot of my. I had like a kitchen cabinet, um, all of like. Under 40s. Um, Shout out to Royce Duplessis. Yeah, actually, yes, Royce was a part of the kitchen cabinet. Um, but like folks like Jose Masinge and Jose and, Mastermind and, and Lilia Gallen and, and those folks under She's 40s, very, very. But they were interesting revolutionaries in that they were safe re- revolutionaries, where they came from a position of okay, I've got this much in my uh, bank account, I've got a 401k, I have a partner. Um, I've, you know, I've paid off my house or my car is paid for. And so I'm in a place of comfort. When I say I was in a place of discomfort, it was literally, uh, there's no money in the bank. Right. Um, you know, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the bills? Not in the best, uh, credit situation, but I was like, I got to do this. And, you know, you know, I've done decently, you know, over the past few years. But like I said, another part of that discomfort is, being willing to look at a really ugly, not even really ugly, I mean, it's not that bad, but a situation is like, okay, do I really do this? And, 
you know, a shout out. I'm gonna give her a shout out because uh, she gave me like an hour and a half consultation for free. Um, but Miss Deborah Elam. Um, I don't know Deborah. Oh, you need to know Deborah. She's yeah. another one of your sorors. Really? Deborah, Deborah Augustine Elam. She is shout a shout out to the sorors of Delta Sigma Theta. J13 is coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny because you know the the pages are turning like with elephants stomping and a storm coming, and it's like J13 is J13. coming on Saturday. But this is so like millennial now is in, yeah. It, there's it, a hashtag it, now. I know it was J5. J5 J8, no, excuse me, J5, J9, J13, J15, and somewhere in there is Zeta by Beta. Yeah, we just like N17. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) But go back and tell your story about Deborah Elam. Anyway, but Deborah Elam um, is a a favorite daughter of the city of New Orleans. Uh, Deborah Augustine Elam, she is the sister of J. Augustine, or excuse me, Reverend Dr. Soon, J. Augustine, JD. Uh, But she was a high-ranking official with the GE Corporation has since left and has started this business where she's coaching folks. And so uncomfortable position, I reached out and I said, well, how much do you charge? Like, can you consult me? And so we talked and after the first few minutes, she said, well, honestly, I'm going to tell you, I may not quite be within your threshold. (laughs) Uh, But she spent about, you know, an hour and a half with me and had the very real conversation of, you know, it's okay to go get a day job, to kind of build up your resources, uh, still do some of the work, um, but it really is okay. That's an uncomfortable position because that is akin to almost saying I failed. Man, and, and that's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That, yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking it, yeah. as you said that right. because you have now built this brand. Mm-hmm. All right, you, mm-hmm. you've built small hinges mm-hmm. and you're, you've built a radio show. But if you say you went and drove Uber. I'm just saying. I'm not right? doing that. Well, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Say if that happened, and you know, right. and somebody rolls up who a potential client. Let all of a sudden, you, you're driving Uber. Let me tell you, that is, and that is something I struggled with. So I didn't do it. But like over the Christmas holidays, and when all those little ads for you know part time retail associate mm-hmm. help, I'm like, yeah, I could see me. Uh, working in in the in the outlet, you know, building up resources and a potential client, or like, aren't you Rachel from Real Talk? Like, like there's all of that. Right, and so that but, uncomfort is in that discomfort is in the mind as well. It is all the ego. It is all the. And I had a, a good friend of mine who actually quit her job and said, you know what, I need to I need to pay bills, mm-hmm. and went and worked at a retail store over the holiday, mm-hmm. and was like, yo, what's up, and actually was not, a, and I applaud her, I won't call her out, but if she's listening, she knows, and I applaud her for going out mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I got to do what I got to do. Right, and and so that's the, that's the discomfort um, that I've navigated, and, and there's others. There's but others. the pushback on that, you know, I'm going to push back a little bit, because right. the pundits would say, well, you're not, un- you're not comfortable with so with, let, me, with, let me with, explain something. I'm just saying. So, I'm, let me, so to the pundits. I'm just to the pundits. Like, if you're really going to get down with this. Okay, so being on the sidewalk is not really a good look. <laughs> it's not a good look. <laughs> and not having technology to make phone calls. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes. I'm just saying what the pundits would say. Uh, I'm telling the pundits, K- <laughs> K- K- what, KMA? Yeah, KMA all day long. Because <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, there, is, there, there are stark realities that you have to face. There is nothing wrong in taking on another assignment to build up your capital so that, you know, and the way that Deb talked about it, she was like, and just structure it as a rebrand, which for me is necessary because I need over the last, um, it'll be four years in August that I've had the firm uh, there. It's a reassessment time of being, having folks be clear on what it is that I do mm-hmm. um, coming at. And the, you being clear. Well, I'm clear. Okay. I just don't architect. I don't architect it. I don't articulate it. <laughs> 
um, as well. And I don't do as good a job as, as I suggest other clients do with really being comfortable with bragging about what I do. That's an interesting thing. And that's, yeah. that, that is, that is uncomfortable because, mm-hmm. and we're going to shift the conversation just for one second. And, Always remember, you listen to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporate and my good friend, producer extraordinaire, Jazz is on the Wheels of Steels. This is the What's Your Revolution show, mm-hmm. WBOK 1230M, powered by Aetna, as we continue to talk about how to sit in discomfort to mm-hmm. be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that this 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 new, or this, I want to say rebranding, or this new process that we're seeing in 2018 from Charles Corporate. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in that I was always, and people people say, eh, I don't believe that. But I was shy to put video of myself out there, even though we put video of us out every week. We do a radio show every week. I speak all over the country. It's, it was been a, it's been a battle because we had talked about that for right, a really it, long time. Right, it, exactly. Yeah. But now having to put up these sh- short 60-second videos to advertise the show or to talk about what's going on in the show. I was like, uh, I don't know, because I don't want to be that guy, right? But you have to be that guy. You, But th- that was uncomfortable for me, mm-hmm. right? And it still is uncomfortable yeah. to sit in my house and be like, hey, listen to the What's Your Revolution <laughs> show. Hey, th- next week <laughs> is our one-year anniversary, and we're right, looking right, for right. the revolutionary of the year and all of this. And like, okay, now it's out there. And you know the cachet of social media right now is likes and shares. Mm-hmm. So what if, you know, you have to be – comfortable with okay you got three likes on that oh my god <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, and yeah, because yeah. that's uncomfortable because then yeah. you you then you will flip through when somebody's is posting a, a, a booty shot or <laughs> i'm just like this and i'm trying to promote a social movement for people to get better right. and they got a hundred thousand likes right, right? and right, they got right. like two million followers right you know but you have that's uncomfortable yeah I'll, I'll tell you another part of the your fence another another part of that discomfort was um actually feeling like it was okay for it to be me so you know you know the part of my story didn't finish college have been struggling not struggling I don't want to say struggling I've been a fighter all my life I'm very talented at what I do there are other people who have like numerous degrees and do the same work and it's like well why me like why would I bring so that was an uncomfortable mm, space imposter syndrome. oh my god all day long but then you know you look at what you've been able to accomplish over time, and it's interesting, the, the way you talk about orchestrating discomfort, it's understanding that at some point you do have to get comfortable in order to successfully orchestrate that discomfort. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And so, okay, let's do this video. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, it's right, like double dutch. Right, and, and then being able to go in and say, okay, well, you know, I only got so many likes on this one. It's okay. The yeah. message is out there yeah. and being comfortable with that. And I think about my mentor and good friend who I got to see in D.C. this week, Natalie Burke. Mm, who, what's up, Natalie? You know, <laughs> yeah. who, um, who speaks all around the country and is a big name. Like D.C., you, you say Natalie Burke, and they're like, oh, you know Natalie Burke, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she'll post something, two, three, four, five likes. She'll post something prophetic, you know, prophetic and profound you know, on LinkedIn or social media and not a whole lot of likes, but she's still getting it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that you just keep pushing. I yeah. mean, you just keep pushing. Um, I know that, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you another person we, we talk about a lot of times is Jonathan Sprinkles. Yeah. And, and Jonathan is who he is now, but I remember when, 
and Jonathan tells the story all the time that you know I I was never really his his true friend because <laughs> Jonathan came and asked me to do something and I said no because it didn't fit within the scope of what of what my my the fun, the company that I was representing it didn't fit within the scope of what we were trying to do and we couldn't make it profitable or cash flow based upon the budget he was coming with right. so my job was to tell you no. His job was to keep moving, and he has kept moving. He has kept moving. Uh, His sprinkleisms, sprinkleisms, and uh, presentation power. It can be done. Presentation power. It can be done. He is part of the the uh, Disney Dreamers Academy, and he does that every year. He does Essence Festival every year, and so you know he talks about that, and and you know waking up every day, and you know I've shared this before that. Sometimes it's problematic for me when people say fake it till you make it. I think we need to augment that to say do it in spite of. Do it in spite of. Yeah. Um, Richard Branson talks about if you're offered an opportunity you don't know what to do, just say yes. don't turn it down. Right. Say yes and figure out how to do it. Because that's what I did. Right. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm self-taught, and most of the stuff that I have learned, you know, I, I taught myself how to build websites. Right. I taught myself how to use design tools because I I wanted I got tired of telling people how to do it and um you know having to literally paint it out for them it's like well doggone it I could kind of fill in the gaps and do it myself but you know you've got to be willing to push the envelope and do those things uh, that folks say that you can't do yeah and 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 that and that is the thing um pushing the envelope and not being afraid to push the envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing, I'm reading this book, and I hate to give a plug, but I'm going to, is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F You. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting that book. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it's really, really interesting. And so shout out to uh, my good friend, Kimberly Putman, who we had on the show uh, in December, in that it really talks about the struggle. It really talks about sitting in the struggle and how we don't want to do that. And yeah. And it's those people who are willing to struggle are the ones that we're trying to emulate. And so it was interesting, and, and, and my good friend, Dr. Derek Green, from Hopefully will be on the show at the end of the month, we, would, we travel a lot together. And that's my travel buddy. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. And um, we went out to Sedona uh, last week. I'm uh, going one day. Sedona is probably one of the most <laughs> beautiful places. And we talked in my mastermind group um, the last time that we met, what would our average perfect day be like? You know, and so it's very interesting because that allows okay, you to begin okay. to set goals. Who, who, who brought that up? Was it Jose? Uh, no, it was me. You know, that's actually a part of New Leaders Council training. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. What is oh, your perfect day? But right. And so I, w- I was just reading because we were beginning to, you know, we wanted to set goals at our mastermind group so mm-hmm. we could begin to say, okay, how do we help each other fulfill our goals? Mm-hmm. And waking up in Sedona every day for <laughs> five days, you know, yeah. waking up in the Red Rocks, mm-hmm. um, the house that we stayed in, you could walk right out to a hiking path that led you up to this huge Red Rock. Five minutes up the road, you could walk to another pass, Soldier Pass. If you check on my uh, my Facebook page, you can see some of the – or my tw- uh, Instagram page, you can see some of the pictures. Beautiful Red Rocks, right? Mm-hmm. We decided to drive out to the Grand Canyon. This is a little bit of a story, <laughs> okay? And – it would be interesting to hear Dr. Greenfield tell this story. But we drove out to the Grand Canyon, and probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen is that – and side story, we got this tip from the hike the day before. It was like, look, don't go in the west entrance of the Grand Canyon because that's where everybody goes. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to the west. Go through the east entrance. Right. And the east entrance, they said this is probably – throughout the day, this is still going to be the most beautiful view that you're going to have of the Grand Canyon. The Colorado River running through. There's the watchtower, all of these things. Beautiful. But what happened is that as you're standing on the watchtower, you see these people who are down probably about 
a quarter of a mile down in the go- down in this gorge, right? Mm-hmm. And to get there, you've got to wind your way down various singular paths that on either side if you fall if you fall you're done mm-hmm. right but then you see and there's like a hundred people up at the watchtower at various stages there's 20 people at various stages there's 10 people and then there's two people that are out on this furthest ledge right mm-hmm. and so i wanted to get there but i was scared yeah scared mm-hmm. this is the guy who jumps out of planes i'm scared I- i'm scared and so it's very interesting, and, and so I, I told Derek, we're, we're going. But it's funny that in each space, I was like, okay, I've hit my limit. He was like, no, mm-hmm. we're going. So that way, I had hit my comfortable, I had hit my limit, and my limit is what? Where I was comfortable. Right, right. I was where, where I was comfortable. But he, for some reason, he just kept going and going and going. So we, we sat on top of this rock. We took a nice picture. I was like, I'm here. And he said, okay, well, you go ahead and sit here. I'm going to go a little further. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Okay, I'm going to go with you, right? <laughs> right? And so we got to this part. We got to the part where it's almost the last ledge. And I'm sitting down. And I'm like – and I'm, I'm a little moved by this because I look up and I see all these people. And we're almost there where there were this, these two people that we saw. Mm-hmm. And they were having a ball. And I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> but eventually we were the crazy ones. Right. But what I had to do in the midst of all of this story is that I had to continue to push through that discomfort. Right. I continue to have to push through that discomfort to sit there and then go down to that last ledge. And he's sitting there taking pictures, and I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. In my mind, I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And he asked me the most poignant question. He's, what does this mean to you, sitting around seeing this vastness of the Grand Canyon and having this perspective? He said, only the bold. Mm. Actually, I said it. Only the bold will reach the highest heights. Only those people who will be able to sit through the discomfort and move on mm-hmm. will be able to reach where these two people were at the beginning what we saw. And then we actually looked up, and we were able to see all of the people up at the top who would not venture down. Right. And that is the interesting thing because the only way that you're going to be successful, the only way that you are actually going to move the needle in your life, to move the needle in your organizations, to move whatever needle that you're trying to push is that you're going to have to keep pushing past that limit, pushing past that ability to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and saying, you know what? There's a little bit further, and I'm scared, and it's okay. The funny thing about it, and I'll end this story, is that we went rock climbing again the next day, not in the Grand Canyon. We went up Soldier Pass, right? And I was bold that day. (laughs) Right, and I kept wanting to, and I looked and said, "This is where I want to go." And I kept pushing, I kept pushing, I kept pushing. Well, that day, Dr. Greenfield was scared, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just kept pushing and kept pushing, and got to the top of, got to the top of this rock, and he's looking, and he was like, "What's up with you today?" I was like, "I have no fear today," mm-hmm, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know. He was the one who had that fear. But that also came from your experience of going further, further, and further. And exactly. Further. Exactly. And it also talks about perspective. If we don't have people to allow us to see our perspective, but then allow us to see other perspectives, right. we can't move. And I, I thank Dr. Greenfield for his support uh, that he gave me to move past my limit mm-hmm. and to be uncomfortable and to be successful because I was one of those two people out on the ledge. Stay with us as we continue to talk about how to sit in discomfort and how you can orchestrate discomfort in your life every day. Listen to the What's Your Revolution show. We'll see you on the other side. (laughs) 
come out to the New Orleans Gumbo Trade House Party on Friday, January 12th, 7 p.m. at the Miracles Event Hall. Get the financial tricks of the trade and learn how to get the most for your money. You don't want to miss the Gumbo Trade Show hosted by Dr. Yolanda Griffith and millionaire chief apostle Leonard Lucas Jr. Enjoy food, drinks, door prizes, or come out to register to win a free iPhone. Register now at www.yglive.com. $15 for IML members and $5 for guests. This is a trade show that you don't want to miss. Join us at the New Orleans Gumbo Treat House Party, Friday, January 12th, 7 p.m. at the Miracles Event Hall. Don't forget, register today at www.yglive.com. There's freedom at Liberty Bank. At Liberty Bank, you can now open a checking account online and gain immediate access to our many services. It's easy for you to go and keep track of your account at www.libertybank.net. You can even apply for loans or services on the go. Banking at Liberty, now 24 hours a day, seven days a week at www.libertybank.net. Bank at Liberty, there's freedom here. And don't forget to use promo code WBOK. For more than a decade, the New Orleans Regional Black Chamber of Commerce has proudly served our community. Our focus is to empower and sustain minority businesses by connecting members through our Deliberate Spending 365 campaign. We support our members through advocacy, events, and referrals while maintaining a mission to promote economic growth and development throughout the region. For information on how to become a member, call 504-948-0991 or visit norbchamber.org. Again, it's 504-948-0991. The second annual Black Women's Wellness Conference will be hosted at the New Orleans Jazz Market on January 13, 2018. So what does that mean? You need to be in the building to learn how you can take charge of your health and begin living your best life. Tickets are on sale now. Your registration will include conference swag, lunch and snack, and access to plenty of vendors with more giveaways. Reserve your seat today to mix and mingle with the founder, Dr. Tammy Lewis-Wilborn, and other conference guests. For more information, follow Black Women's Wellness Conference 2018 on Facebook and purchase your tickets via Eventbrite today. And we'll see you in January. WBOK, 1230 AM, The People's Station. Know that we're able, and that alone makes us major. We can all sit at the table. And grow in this favor. Say yeah. Say yeah. Yes, we can. I like this. I like this. I like this. Little brother bring us back. Thank you for staying with us on the What's Your Revolution show. Sitting here talking with the Bayou Lois Lane as we talk about how to sit in your discomfort. 
Thank you, my man, Kendall the Jazz Man Williams, for inspiring us. That's right. I give us government you name. You want to talk about? Oh wow! I just <laughs> I was looking at the. I know, right? All the stuff. I know. Thank you, Tariko. <laughs> I appreciate that. You got a medium shirt. I you're know. cooking with grease <laughs> and you're swole. <laughs> medium. That's right. It is a medium shirt. Uh, thank you, everybody, for welcoming us, uh, staying with us as we talk about how to sit in discomfort. The interesting thing, Rachel, and I know this is your bailiwick or ballywick as you talk about, right, mm-hmm. is that we as people of color, mm-hmm. uh, almost 365 days into this presidency, have had to sit in discomfort. And let's talk, let's, let's talk about that because mm-hmm. what that discomfort that we've felt – over the last 350 50 odd days, because today is January the 10th, so mm-hmm. 10, so 355 days, mm-hmm. that discomfort that we felt every day. Right. How do we then impart to our people? Because we still got potentially three more years with this man, and we potentially have three more years and on of the continued racism and discrimination and prejudice that we that have been heightened and increased and in our face daily because that is uncomfortable mm-hmm. so, how do we then sit in that discomfort and then what do we do so you're under the misconception that we only have three more years um because you know with the oprah thing and we won't d- dive into that, but what, what are the think pieces around the Oprah thing is that that in some way, shape, or form, Oprah would be a magic bullet to fix what has happened in the United States over the last 355 days, when in the reality, uh, he's the symptom of the sickness. And when you treat the symptom and not the sickness, you stay sick, right? Right. So him not being in office is not going to change the racist environment that we find ourselves sitting in um so that's the first thing it takes a whole lot of us being willing and able to support each other through this um to really be clear on where the discomfort is coming from um so that when we determine the best ways to address the discomfort we're not treating the wrong again right we're not treating, treating the, the wrong symptom. thing right exactly um and so um springboarding off of things like what happened in Alabama um springboarding off of the feeling that we all got from uh, Mother Oprah's remarks. <laughs> Mother. Uh-huh. <laughs> now she's Mother Oprah. Yo. <laughs> she dropped it. I, I, I got to give it to her. And so getting clear on that and then it, it's going to take you get – doggone it, you, you dropping gems. It's going to take pairs of, of the Chucky and the <laughs> Derek show together to push each other through this discomfort. And so um, – Going, go. What is it? If you want to go swiftly, go alone. If you want, whatever. I, I'm off with the quotes. Right. But basically, we've got to come together and move together in order to get through the discomfort. And to have, and we talk about, and this is cliche because we say this all the time, to have these uncomfortable conversations about race mm-hmm. and gender and sexual orientation and religion and socioeconomic status, all of these, all of these various things that. Get in the way, particularly these these conversations of race. Say that again, because your microphone was not on. Okay, so we've got to have these uncomfortable conversations about race and sexual orientation and class and socioeconomic status and 
same gender loving, all of these different things that are uncomfortable for, for people to have, like in, in in spaces that are going to make people feel safe but uncomfortable. But here's the thing, though, is that the the people that are going to be at those conversations are going to be the people that already know that there's a problem and they are not the people that can actually do something about affecting change. That's my concern, that the real folks that need to be sitting around those tables are uh, the people that are developing policy. Um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, 100 7-Elevens in a very cliche, like racially stereotypical move ICE moved into 100 7-Elevens and did an immigration sweep. A hundred? A hundred 7-Elevens across the country um, and did an immigration sweep. Actually, I think it was more than that. I think 100 people were arrested, but there were 7-Elevens all across the country. ICE swooped in and did an immigration sweep. You've got that. You've got the wholesale deportment of 20,000 Salvadorians because time's up. You were given an opportunity to be here because of a natural disaster. Your time is up. Patience. Um, being wholesale, their stay has been, and and Haiti is still jacked up. Right, it is. Um, and and so when you've got people that are dictating policy, still clearly not clear on the fact that conversations that the conversations need to even need to exist. My thought is that instead, like-minded people that understand that these things are issues need to come together, have the conversations, and then develop a strategy for moving forward and putting themselves into places of representative government. And so that you, that in itself is uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. So so very that in itself. Hey. So offering yourself up, and this is the my field. Lending my support to Royster Plus. Offering yourself up for public service as in the form of elected office. Um, it's interesting, uh, especially in today's time. Especially in if today's you're a man, time, a man or a woman. Right and. What, well, so it's different. Is different. It's different discomforts. You're right. The, the, the thing with men, oh, sorry, men created that crap themselves. I agree. <laughs> they created that environment. One word answers. Women, <laughs> there you go. Um, women, on the other hand, there's a different discomfort there. Uh, you know, it's very interesting to, again, talk about Mother Oprah, seeing some of the responses that I've seen around her speech and people even hinting that she be considered. For office. And the thing that came out of people's mouth, well, how can a TV personality run TV run for personality. Us? Another example of a billionaire that has no clue around social issues just <laughs> using her money as a popularity contest. Every reason in the world. And she's a billionaire. She's the richest black woman in, in the, the world. world. Exactly. With, a, with an origin story that I would kill for. Like, give me exactly. like – I mean, you got it, Oprah. Somebody tell Oprah. I, I mean, I'm willing to work with the campaign because she has an origin story. It's right? going to move people. And, but, she, and that's what I'm saying. And so, and 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 think about the discomfort that she's had to navigate had through. To. So poor, I, so poor, uh, born to an unwed teenage mother, herself molested and had a baby that was, you know, that did not live to see the age of one, left Texas, uh, Tennessee State University, came back to Tennessee State, got her degree, was dealt with racist. Think about when she was a broadcast journalist. She was a broadcast journalist in the 80s <laughs> in Baltimore. Right, right. Racist Baltimore. Right. Let's be clear. And right. so so I say all that to say that it, the short answer to that question, and, and that wasn't really short, is that – um, the people that know that we're sitting in discomfort, 
um, need to come together and push, push each other through that discomfort. Um, if it's running for office, if it's taking a stand on an issue, um, putting and, and then lifting those people up into spaces where then they can bring about change. Right, and we and we have to be comfortable with getting ourselves out there. Well, but that's the thing. You, you know, you got to be discomfortable. You, you have to be uncomfortable. Yeah, enough. well, and that's what I'm saying. You, you have to be comfortable enough to sit in that because you know now running for office and mm-hmm. the scrutiny. And the point that I was trying to say as a man, you are going to be scrutinized, as women are, mm-hmm. right? You're going to be scrutinized. And, and then particularly if you are a man of color, the scru- we've always known mm-hmm. the scrutiny, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to make sure that you are pristine. But I, the fear – the fear of saying, you know what, I'm going to put myself out there. And that's why I applaud anyone who's going to run for office yeah. in these critical t- – in this information age where at the the snap information about you can be poured into the 24-hour news cycle. So I, I'm going to push back just a little bit on that. Go ahead. You don't have to be pristine. You just have to be smart enough not to do something stupid um, because some of the – a lot of the things that happen – I don't understand what common sense thinking person would think that that was okay. Um, I, Jazz and I talked about this yesterday that um, a long time ago, about seven to ten years ago, I actually considered – actually, it's been, oh, my God, it's been longer than that. I actually thought about running for office in Houston and ran into some things and, and said to myself, no, that's not something I could do because, you know, a lot of times consultants will sit down with you and excoriate your your past. Excoriate. And, and, and just, you know, just rake you over the coals and say, and this is why you shouldn't run. You don't have enough money. You don't have anybody support you. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. And there have been – key examples, and I talked about the one right here locally, of folks that did it anyhow. Um, if you look at them, common common sense would say there's no way in the world that person should be able to be elected, but they did it anyhow. Right. And so, you know, getting comfortable with letting the, the importance of the moment push you through that. And, and that's the interesting, that the importance of the moment. And so if, if we even unpack that and pull that back, just not uh, for running from office, mm. just you know, understanding what are the strategies that we have to then begin to sit with, mm-hmm. right? And the interesting thing about struggle is that the anticipatory fear is the greatest, right? Is is greater, right? I told my you know, daughter this yesterday because she's struggling with some things right now. I'm not gonna pull her business out there, but I told her I said it's the anticipation of a thing that's worse than the thing itself. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you know. My line brother Antoine Hickman wouldn't be married to his beautiful, beautiful wife <laughs> if he hadn't got over that anticipatory fear to she date, say no, man. date someone who was clearly outside of his <laughs> punt coverage. <Yeah>. But <laughs> Antoine, don't hurt him when you see oh, him. <laughs> but that's the thing, the anticipatory fear, and, and, and that's – we're not comfortable. Many people, if you read all of the literature on fear and and the inability to sit with discomfort is that we create this fear in our mind. Let me tell you, Let me tell you. and I, and this, you see preaching to me right now. Yeah. So there is this thing. I've, I've missed more chances uh, than I am even I, – I, I kick myself over uh, where I actually convinced myself out of a lucrative contract. Because I was afraid to ask for help to get through a barrier. Um, and it was as simple as printing 10 copies of a proposal. I literally scared and we myself. Will, and, and, out of, <laughs> and, and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, promoting another book, Mel Robbins' Five Second Rule, mm-hmm. is that 
once the once the mind sees that there's a fear, it's going to create all of these barriers and structures oh, yeah. to say, you know what, you shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. You should not do this. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to. I'm going to create this fear for you, so mm-hmm. you don't do this because the the mind saw that you were whoa. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Right. Go. Override override the mind. And, and it's very, very interesting to get over that anticipatory fear. We create a reality that most oftentimes is not there. And that is the discomfort. Right. I won't sit in that. I won't allow myself. Uh, because what happens, we, the psychologists and me, we like equilibrium. We like comfort. It feels good. It's those warm pellets that we feel in our body <laughs> from the, from the, the, the shower. Right. That anticipatory fear is that cold shower. So let me ask you this question. Ooh, you're going to ask me a question. I am because I'm going to take advantage of my free counseling. Yes. So what do do you do? What what I found is so I was at Venture Bunny all throughout, you know, before I had kids and life changed. I mean, even after that, I was at Venture Bunny. It was like I remember being in a situation where I had to, like, sit down and craft an exit strategy for something. I was in a bit of a traumatic uh, situation. What happens when you get older <laughs> and that doesn't – like I don't get the adrenaline rush anymore. And it, it's a little bit of a concerning thing for me. Like I like I could be looking at dire circumstances and just be like, I just don't feel like doing that today. Well, the interesting thing, the research also talks about that as we get older, we are more – we are less likely – to have the highs and lows mm-hmm. that we're more even keel. And it's interesting, you know, people would say, oh, you went to the Grand Canyon. I was excited about it, but I was like, oh. Uh, I mean, I w- no, I was excited about it, but it wasn't like I spent the rest of the day, mm-hmm. you know, we spent two hours there. I was like, okay, it's great. I got to see the Grand I can check it off my bucket list. It was right. great, I can say. Um, you know, for me, the, the, the experience was having my friend out there. You know what I'm saying? And for us to experience that and for us to then pontificate, you know, as two smart men mm-hmm. do about how, what is the meaning of life from all, from all of this. <laughs> but the imagine. research does talk about that we don't have the extreme highs and extreme lows from experiences. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember dating a woman, and she would always say, you never really get, you know, high or low about anything. I said, I'm pretty, you know, it's always I'm good or it, I have to realize my language. I, it wasn't bad. <laughs> so when I say that, I, in my mind, when I say it wasn't bad, that means it was good. Um, you listen to the Rusty Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal and my uh, confidant, Rachel Aww. Rachel D. Denise. Oh, God, you were not supposed to put all my Rachel shit. Denise Graham. Um, as we talk about how you sit in discomfort. Sumner. Uh, Sumner. Sumner. Get it right. <laughs> Sumner. That's right. Antoine Hickman will call me out in a second. Um, Antoine Hickman will call me out in a second. Um, but thinking thinking through that. Thinking, thinking through that, and you know, really not knowing the, you know, the anticipatory fear, but really just saying, you know what, it's not, it's not bad. It, it's not bad. And people get upset when I say that it, it wasn't bad. For me, when I say it wasn't bad, I mean it, it was good. It, oh, that's not bad. <laughs> I know, right? But it's a part of us. It, it is a part of our development. Right. You know, and so. But sometimes, no. So here, I get you on that, and, and it was funny because I always. Um, long to get to this point where I was even. The problem, though, is when that discomfort should kick in, it doesn't kick in. Like, mm. like, like you know, you're staring at a train coming right at you at several hundred miles an hour. You need to move. Right. It's not there. And, and it's, a, it's a very interesting thing. Um, what do you do? Like, 
like and the show the title of the show was orchestrating yeah, so discomfort. We, yeah we, we got to get to that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so those people who are listening to the show who are wondering we've heard all this thing how do we begin to say okay you know standing on that cliff you can't go to the grand canyon every day right you can't rock climb and if you can good for you but <laughs> yeah. you know but eventually that, that discomfort that you have there is going to dissipate because you do it every day mm-hmm. so the question is and hopefully we can get to that is what are some things that we can do to orchestrate discomfort in our lives every day you know what are the things that you actually fear you know for for me at this age now the fear is not having children Aww. right it's, you know it's a funny thing it's not the fear is not having a relationship. The fear is not being able to be a dad. And so how do I orchestrate that discomfort that, that it may happen, that I don't have that opportunity to be a dad? That's, that is disheartening for me. Uh, but I mean, you could always adopt. I could always adopt. I could always, but how do I sit in that discomfort? You know, because it, it may happen. Hmm. So what's the strategy? What, what's the strategy that I have to deal with? You, yeah. yeah, I just have to be able to understand in my mind that this is okay. Right. What's the worst thing? And so you begin to ask yourself that question. What's the worst thing that can happen? Right. If I don't have a child. Right. I love my dad. Right. I, I love being able to take it. But what happens if I'm 85? If I make it there and there's nobody there. Yeah. What's the worst thing that happens? Yeah. Somebody will take care of me. Hopefully. <laughs> right. You better live right. Yeah. I, I better live right. Exactly. I found out last night from my man, Michael Fincher, I can get long term, long term uh, health care. If you don't have kids. If I don't have kids. So I need to start paying for it right now. (laughs) Right? Um, But orchestrating discomfort is doing things that you're actually afraid of. Right. I was going to say, I don't want to sit in discomfort. You say sit in discomfort. For me, that that makes me think about stagnation. Like I right now, honestly, I'm sitting in discomfort. There are a number of circumstances that are going on that I have been literally sitting and letting things occur around me. Maybe it is to be, I don't know, to swim along with discomfort. Like wherever hmm. that discomfort is going to push you. Swim to it. Just swim to it. Right. Don't sit there looking at it like, oh, I don't want to do that. Right. Well, that, that's true because you have to, you have to go and swim. You, you have mm-hmm. to swim with the sharks. I love that. Have you ever read that? No. Okay. All right. But you, you do have – because that is uncomfortable. You have to swim with the sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're thinking about doing things in your life, going to the Grand Canyon or jumping out of planes or applying for that new job or talking to the most beautiful person that you think that you're not good, that you're not, that you're not good enough to mm-hmm. have a relationship with or have a conversation with, you have to then begin, as Rachel just said, swim along with the shark. You have to sit with that feeling because I said the body wants to bring you back to equilibrium. It is that physiological response that's right in here. And I know I'm like, I have to ask myself, well, what's wrong, right? Because I'm a, I'm a self-monitor. And those, mm-hmm. self, those yes. people who are self-monitored know that there's something wrong. So ask yourself those questions right. and realize that there's some discomfort. I remember laying in bed. And a relationship about to end. And there was that discomfort like I'm about to be single. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been single in 10 years. Right? I'm about to to be single. And what is that like to be single? Mm -hmm. And it was this feeling like what the F, Mm -hmm. right? Because that discomfort will lead you back. Right. 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 And that's the interesting thing that just because I want equilibrium and maybe this is just OK. Right. Because I don't like how this feels right now. Right. That anticipatory fear that is built up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had to lay there and, and I had to lay there and say it's OK. Sit with I had to, I had literally had to visualize and talk myself through that night. Mm-hmm. 
and say it's going to be okay. The first day of a breakup is the hardest day, right? And my therapist actually said to me, he said, each time that you go back, day one begins again. Right. And that, and remember the discomfort of day one. Right. Right. And that that you you if you sit with it, then day one doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you can't sit with that discomfort, so I'm asking you all as you all think through, what are you afraid of? What is uncomfortable in your life, and how are you sitting with that? I know for me, it is. Swimming, doing, taking that cold shower. Mm-hmm. It is walking up to a person that, you know, I think, you know, that may not want to talk to me. Or I think that doesn't want to talk to me and saying hello. And maybe sometime for me, the win is just for me going up and saying hello. So I'll tell you about, uh, I'll tell you about the, the latest thing. And it's, it's weird how um, it's not really about me, but it is about me. So my daughter is going to be gone for a year. What? Yeah, so she's traveling. She's going to be overseas in Denmark and uh, Sweden. And then she's going to uh, New York. And she's not coming back here. She's going to stay in New York. Stanford experience. Well, yeah. And then she's going to go to Oxford. And then she's going to Florence. And when she told me that, uh, you know, as a mother, my, my kids have been my life. Like everything, like everything had been built around them. And that was, it was interesting because part of, uh, living with and being in that discomfort of starting the business was the realization that I had to go and figure out a life aside from being a mom. Mm. Uh, this is a new thing. I don't know that I'm ready. So I've tried this thing where I don't talk to my daughter every day. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, I've done this thing. But you're going to have to do that. Right. There's the thing of planning. So one of the things I did, I didn't do re- revolu- uh, resolutions. I did uh, a list. I did Revolutions? The, I didn't do revolutions. I did evolutions. <laughs> I but I you. did the list. And one of the things I'm going to do is travel once a month. Um, and I'm starting local. And then the goal is to, at some point later on in the year, um, travel. And what I've shared with friends is, okay, it's time for mama to grow up since my daughter grew up. Yeah. Like, I've got to be grown now. But... I'm working with it. You know, one of the things that makes me feel uncomfortable is traveling alone. And I'm, oh, that's the best. Uh, well, you know, I, went and I had a bad experience. I went to Spain. Yeah? I went to Spain in 2014. Uh, again, needing to get away and got away. And went to um, Barcelona mm-hmm. and Madrid and mm-hmm. went alone. Mm-hmm. And my first foray of traveling alone was going to New York, which I thought I was alone. But it was New York. I know New York. I can speak the language. Mm-hmm. I got friends in New York. I really wasn't alone. <laughs> So I could say, oh, yeah, well, I could – so I got this false sense that I could travel alone. Mm-hmm. I went to Barcelona, and it was the most alone that I've ever felt, and I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I couldn't speak – you know, as, as as much as I tried to speak Spanish, they laughed at me. <laughs> Just, speak that, yeah. <laughs> Just speak English. Just speak English. And so it was really, really this, you know, difficult time. So I have to be able to go and travel alone. I'm very thankful again for Dr. Greenfield who has a very similar lifestyle right. that he can pick up and go. You know, we went to Europe, we went to Montreal, we went to um Arizona. And so I've been able to have a travel buddy. Right. You know, and so but I also need to get over that discomfort of traveling alone and, and saying, you know what, I can sit with this and sometimes sitting quiet because I'm a I'm an extroverted person. We've been talking for fifty four minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. so doing things like that, getting you know, allowing myself to sit. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things just to, to give you some strategies is to put on a sheet of paper, write down the things that you are actually afraid of, mm-hmm. right? And then write down what are the things, you know, by doing this mm-hmm. 
what is the good that actually comes out of it if you do this? Mm-hmm. So you have those things that you're afraid of, and then you, you write down a list of things about what would happen if you do it. Right. And then in the next column, write down your fears. Why are you afraid? Okay. Why are you afraid of doing this? If you know this is good, why are you afraid? And then in the last column, ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. So if it's quitting your job, if you're sitting here and you're in a dead end job or you're at a job where you're not appreciated and you want to jump out on your own. Mm -hmm. Right. What are the benefits? All of these various benefits that go along with getting out of this job, even write down the negatives. Right. Write down the negatives. Okay. if I if I quit my job, X X is going to happen. If I quit my job, Y is going to happen. What's the best that can happen and what's the worst? And and so what's the worst going to happen? Right. But and, and, and give it a number like. One, ten, whatever, and, and, and have your scale. But then, knowing what's the worst can happen, can you get back to this space? Right. 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 <laughs> Sometimes in a breakup, you need to get a relationship. You can't get back, but maybe oh. you can. You can get elsewhere. Right. You could get elsewhere. <laughs> maybe you need to get out of that relationship, mm-hmm. or maybe you need to spend that time really understanding who you are. Mm-hmm. So if you have that chance to come back into the relationship, you're totally different. Hopefully. Right. That's, that's the risk that you take. But what's what's that? Allow yourself to see those things. Sometimes for some for some people, having the strategy, mm-hmm. you know, in front of you will allow you to sit in that discomfort. Absolutely. So you know, the time always goes by so fast with you. Well, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I hate that. I'm sorry. I hate that it goes by so fast. Sorry. It, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but we appreciate you all spending time with us today on the What's Your Revolution show uh, as we sit here and talk about how you can sit in discomfort. Put your list together. Ask yourself that one question. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know what? If failure is the worst thing that happened, you need to be able to sit with failure because growth comes with, with failure. failure. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, we appreciate all the time that you give us each week on this wonderful show. Next week is our anniversary show. we got some special guests coming on. We're going to announce who the revolutionary of the year is. My good friend, my first guest, all right, the O.T. Oliver Thomas will be with us to talk about how he has facilitated his revolution over the last 365 days. Stay tuned with us. Give us a check out on social media at Charles Corpru, at What's Your Revolution on Instagram, at WY Revolution on Facebook. Check out the... Bayou Lois Lane. Check her out at four each day on Real Talk with Rachel here at WBOK 12:30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you and hearing from you next week. Thank out, thank you to my Facebook folks. And as always, please be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life, people. What's your revolution? Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Don't you know that we're able? That alone makes us major We can all sit at the table 